Communications presents a spoken word given to our congregation located at 1800 Hall Brown Road, where our senior pastor is Dr. Karen B. Johnson and assistant pastor Glenton Queen. You are welcome to join us as our services are held every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Enjoy the word. for ministering to us. Aren't they just, sound like there was a hundred of them up there just a few minutes ago. Amen. Well, first Christian, this is the first time in two weeks we got this far into the service. <laughs> and I hope you don't mind that you're part of a church that's going to allow the Spirit to do what the Spirit wants to do. And we don't hinder His Spirit. And so we just want to thank God for his deliverance and just for an opportunity just to be free in him even more and for taking us deeper and deeper into his word and you know just last week this is a celebration of coming off of the 21 day fast and just the many testimonies that have come forward of how God has just shown himself to us because the fast again wasn't about trying to bend God to our way but it was us clearing the way so God can do what he wants to do in our lives. So if the, if the fast was a blessing to you, come on, let's give the Lord another praise. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray because we're going to read our scripture a little later. So let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you. We bless you, dear Lord. Lord, we thank you for bringing us to another Sunday, another day to celebrate you and to worship you and to honor you. We thank you for everything that has transpired in this service thus far, for the ministry of dance and for the prayers that have gone forth. We just thank you for the fellowship and the opportunity just to worship and to praise you. And now as we come to this moment within the service, as God has we, we bring your word, God. I pray for a fresh anointing upon your word. I pray that it will do everything that you have already predestined it to do before the foundation of this world was even founded. So God, we just thank you. We bless you. Now as I decrease in self, I pray for your increase. I stand not in my strength, but in my weakness, but in you, Father, I'm strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated because we will read our scripture a little later. Um, as Pastor Darrell has shared with you, we are starting a month-long um, celebration of talking about relationship and love. Relationship and love. I don't want y'all to be too enthusiastic about that topic. And we don't plan to leave anyone out. Amen. Because <laughs> this is going to be including talking about the singles and married and married again. We're going to try to cover the folks who are thinking about getting married. Um, and even those who are not thinking about getting married, we're, we're going to include topics. The topic of love um, is just is for everyone, not, again, not just for married people or people in relationships. It's not just for the young, but it's also for the young at heart. And it's all for um, those who even wonder if they will ever love again. But it's also to cover our young people whose hormones are kicking in and 
with a desire to be in love and to love. So we're going to try to cover all of those bases within the next few weeks. Next week, we're going to have a dual sermon. That's going to come from Pastor Durrell and Minister Veronica Williams. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Praise for them. The third Sunday, we're going to keep it fresh. And we're going to have a panel discussion that's going to be made up of married folks, single folks, um, folks, again, who have been, um, who are single again. And so we can just have a nice discussion about that. And then on the fourth Sunday, we're going to do another dual sermon. And that's going to be with Pastor Brandon Hill and Minister Erica Johnson. They're going to talk to the young folks. And so we're just going to look for an awesome time in this upcoming month. So bring your loved one. Bring the ones you think you might love. You're not too sure. You haven't figured it out yet. Things have switched up. You know how it is. Maybe you will be renewed and set free. I don't, I don't mean set free that you're going to leave them. I mean set free that you can love again. How about that? So this morning, my assignment is to just kind of do the intro and, and kind of lay the foundation, I will, if you will, for this conversation about love. So the question you often hear is, well, what is love? What, what is this thing called love? And, and, then, and, and, and how, you, how are you supposed to feel when you are in love? And, and are there boundaries? And, and if there are boundaries, why are there boundaries? And then who set these boundaries? Who, who says what the rules and the regulations are for love? And why does it seem like love has, has its limits? And then I've heard questions about, you know, well, is it really possible for two people to love each other unconditionally? Is it really possible for two people to be eternally in love, meaning you're going to love them forever and ever and ever and ever? Can you really be with somebody forever and ever and ever and ever? I mean, is it, is, it, is it, some people wonder, is it even realistic or is it just some idealistic concept about this thing called love? And then there are questions about now, is a soulmate a real thing? And if it's a real thing, how do you find, where is my soulmate? Some people may be asking that question. Where is my soulmate? How do you find a soulmate? Do you, is, is it something that you just luck up on? Or is there a method to the madness? Is there, is there a process? Is there something I can do to position myself so I can find my soulmate? And then it's other questions have come. Um, even it's like, you know, is there some kind of requirement for being a soulmate, to finding a soulmate? Does it require that you first have to believe that you deserve one? Is that a requirement? For a soulmate. So how we see love and how we understand love and how we love is shaped by our experiences with love. How we see love, how we understand love, how we experience love is often shaped by what we have experienced in our lifetime with this thing called love. How many of you remember the song, at least my old, my old school folks from back in the 90s, Tina Turner? 
What's love? Y'all know what it is. What's love got to do with it? What love got to do with it? And, 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 and Tina, Tina goes on in the song and she says, she said, love is just a secondhand emotion. And then she says, who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? It's interesting that this song was Tina's comeback song after she came out of her relationship with Ike. And in the song, in the song, Tina is telling her partner, she's letting her partner know, I don't have any emotional attachments to you. She doesn't love him. It's just a physical thing. She's just in it for a physical thing. She, she doesn't love him. She, and what they have between the two of them has nothing at all to do with love because of her experience with, that she had with Ike. It seems that she dismisses it and she calls love just a sweet, old-fashioned notion. The song is implying the sweet, old-fashioned notion. That, that, that phrase there is implying that true love is some outdated idea or concept that really doesn't have any relevance to her. But then she turns around and she asks the question, now what does love have to do with it? What does it have to do with anything that I'm going through right now? What does this thing that you call love have to do with the fact that I'm with this person and I have nothing beside and nothing, nothing out of him, it's just a physical thing? See, love broke her heart. And so the question really she's asking is, what is the point? What is the point in me putting my love out to someone just for it to be broken? When you look at the abuse and the disrespect that Tina endured for years, it's understandable why she even questioned the existence of true love. And it's even more understandable why it took her 35 years to even decide to trust her heart again into another married relationship. So what is it that we need to understand about love? And what is it that maybe Tina was missing and, and that she didn't experience or that put her and left a sour taste in her mouth? To understand love and to know what love is and to know how to love, we have to look to the one who is love. And that is God. Because when it comes to the matters of the heart, too often we look to role models that are outside of God. We look to our own experiences. We look to relationships that are around us. And, and we, we often um, look at sources outside of God to define and to show us what love is, especially when it comes to romantic relationships. The reality is, is because God is love, because he is the personification of love, the embodiment, the epitome, the expression of love. Therefore, because God is love and out of his overflow of love, he created you and I. We are creations of love. We come from the overflow of who God is. And so therefore, he is the only one to say what is really love. He is the only one who can set the boundaries for love. And he is the one who says to us how Love should be expressed. So what does God say love is? And what is it that he can teach us? If you will, turn your word to the Gospel of John. We're going to go to the 21st verse. I mean, pardon, pardon me, the 21st chapter, the 15th verse. 
And this is Jesus speaking to Peter after his resurrection, but before his ascension. And as you know, Peter denied Jesus. And so this phrase, this, this, these passages we're going to read, we often consider it Jesus reinstating Peter, if you will. He is telling Peter, in a sense, you need to get back. Yeah, you messed up, but you need to get back to what you are called to do. I'm reading from the NIV version. And it reads, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So what was Jesus talking about here to, John, to Peter? We see that he uses the, phrase, the word love three times. In the Greek language, love is, the word love is not limited to just one word like it is in the English language. Our, our one word for love carries so many different meanings. I love potato salad, but I also love my children. Same word, different meaning. However, in the Greek, there are different words for love to express the various degrees in meaning and types of love. And we find in the Bible that there are three words in the Greek that express love, eros, Philo and agape. And here in this text, Jesus is asking Peter, and he asked him three times if he loved him. The thing that is interesting is that the first two times that Jesus used the word love, he uses the word agape, the agape word form for love. And as many of you know, agape means unconditional love. It is the highest degree of love. It is, again, it is unconditional. Uh, the agape love is not based on how you feel or how the other person feels towards you. You are able to show agape love without feeling anything at all for the other individual. It is a love that can give even in the face of unkindness. It is a love that can be expressed to someone even if you are disappointed with that someone. It is a love that can be shared even if you have been hurt by the person that you're extending the love to. It is a love that can be given even if you're living under oppression. It is a love that you can still give despite the fact that cruelty is being pushed against, or being, or coming against you. It is a kind of love. It is, a, it is an, a, a, an agape love that has nothing at all to do with, fe to, with feelings. It has nothing to do with feeling. It has nothing to do with how a person thinks about you or even how a person treats you. It is a love that God commands all of us. He says, love your enemies. He says, treat your neighbor as yourself. He says, love your mate like your own flesh. 
That is the God kind of love. That is the agape love. And Jesus wanted Peter to understand. Jesus wanted to know if Peter loved him unconditionally. So Jesus asked you and I the same question. Do we love him with the agape kind of love? Do we love him unconditionally? Will we still love him when our heart is broken? Will we still love him when it seems like heaven has gone silent to our cries? Will we still love him when life isn't going well? Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me unconditionally? However, on the third time that Jesus asked Peter the question, Jesus switches from the agape kind of love to the philo kind of love. And that is a brotherly love, a relational love, a mutual friendship kind of love, one that is birthed out of affectionate feelings. It's the kind of love that says, I love you and you love me. We're in this thing together. Why did Jesus switch from agape to philo? Well, I'm not sure, but I can speculate. I think Jesus was trying to tell Peter, I not only want your unconditional love, but I also want an intimate brotherly relationship with you. I want our love relationship, the connection between us, to be more than just I'm your savior. That is important, but I want you to love me intimately. Jesus was trying to shift Peter's thinking to a different level or a deeper level of what love is. He wanted Peter to love him again, not just because he was the risen savior. Jesus wanted to know that Peter cared about him as a person and as a brother. Our Savior wants to be in a relationship with us, not just as our Savior, but he wants to be your brother. He wants both, the agape love and the philo love. So you may ask, where does this third love, eros, fit in? Well, eros is a, is a romantic love. It's a romantic kind of love that's based on sensuality. It's based on how you make me feel, how you make me feel in your presence. It's a kind of erotic love, if you, re- if you will. It's the kind of love where intimate physical love is, is expressed. So, however, if you take away eros love, if you take that away because it's not the highest form of love, eros love can't stand alone. It can't stand by itself because it's all based on how one feels toward the other. It's all based on physical attraction. It's all based on how you can please me and I can please you. It is a kind of love that can also easily become misguided and become abused. It can desert you and have you sing and how do you mend a broken heart. A marriage that is based solely on eros that is solely on physical attraction and intimacy is not going to survive. It will not survive. It can make it through health, but it won't make it through sickness. It can make it as long as you got some money in your pocket, but it's not going to make it when you go broke. It's the kind of love that won't stick around until death do you part. It is the kind of love that needs to have a thrill It needs to stay in. That's the kind of love that Eros is. 
Eros is all based on feelings. It's all based on feelings. So for a solid relationship, your mate really should be your best friend. They should be your cheerleader. They should bring out the best in you. They should be your encourager and not your critic. Their true love is both mutual and it's also unconditional because true love requires commitment and commitment is a decision. You have to decide if you're going to stay in the fight. You have to decide if you're going to be committed even when life isn't going well. It says that I'm in it for the long haul and quitting is not going to be an option. One thing about a committed love relationship, it withstands arguments. It can work through failures. It can handle setbacks. It can go through financial struggles. It can deal with repossessed vehicles and eviction notices. It can handle sickness, and you know what? It can even handle infidelity. It's that kind of love. Because Eros love, again, is totally based on the physical. But true love between a re- in a relationship is based on friendship, but it's also based on unconditional love. Because here's the thing again about Eros love. Because it's physical, stuff change. What you look like at 25, you ain't going to look like that at 85. Things change. That person you married to may have hair when you got married, stuff switch up on you. So if you only love them for how they look, what you going to do when that change is over? That's why Eros love can't stand by itself. It can't stand alone because if you're totally based on physical appearance, that ain't going to work. It will work for a season. And if you're going to be in that kind of relationship, you don't trade in your love like you trade in a car. Just because you got an old model, you can't switch her up. Might have to change the engine. Might have to jump start it every now and again. You do what you got to do to keep it ticking. The church say amen. 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 In relationships, and for those who are thinking about getting married and those who are young at heart and you're just stepping out into the water and you're just trying to figure out what this love thing is all about, it's the first to get an understanding of what God has to say about it. That's the best place to start. It's to see what does he has to say about it. And if we're looking at what, 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 what Jesus is saying to Peter here, he's saying for a good, solid relationship, you do need all three. It's good to have eros. But it's more important to have that philo and agape love. Because stuff can switch up on their eros. What you going to do when that happens? And he wants us to understand that when we're in this kind of relation, when you're looking for someone and when you're looking around and you're trying to figure out how this thing going to work, or even if you are in a relationship already and you're in a married relationship, it's like, why are you in there? Are you in there? And did you even get in it for the right reason? Because sometimes we enter into relationships for the wrong reason. 
Sometimes we come down that aisle and we say, I do, and God did not send us down that aisle. We went down on our own. And what God is not obligated to do, he is not obligated to fix whatever he did not ordain. So it's good that we try to work it out and, you know, things can happen. And he wants us to be in it. He wants us to be in it for the long haul. And so he's saying when you're looking for that mate, look for a friend. It's good to start out with a friendship. Get to know who they are and their likes and their dislikes and Get to know how they're your your best friend. And and being your best friend doesn't mean that they have to be your only friend. None of your mate or whoever you're significant or whoever you're thinking about time not with, if they're your only friend, that's a problem too. Because now you're making that person your world. Now you're making that person be the one who is responsible, that you're trying to make them responsible for your happiness and your joy. If you can't find your happiness and your joy on your own, something needs to be adjusted there. When you come into a relationship, you don't come in looking for your other half. You come in looking for the whole. Because two of them, you should be a whole you, and it should be a whole that person coming together. And as you come together, you expand each other. You expand who you are. That's one thing about, that's the thing about a relationship. A true relationship that is built. A true relationship that is more than eros, but it is an agape love. It is a philo kind of love. I have a friend right now who's really going through a really, really tough time, a really tough time with her mate, with her husband. She's been his caregiver. She is his caregiver. And it's been over eight or nine years he's been struggling. They've been together for 40-plus years. He has had multiple health issues, multiple health issues. And then on top of the health issues, now he has Alzheimer's. He's been in the hospital and still in the hospital right now. And as we were having that conversation, just talking, she said, you know, he's not the man that I married. And those of us who've been out here for a long time, you live long enough, it can easily happen to you. The person that you marry may not be the same person 20, 30 years. It can even be less because of accident, injury, something can happen. That that person that you said I do with, the person that you said that I'm going to be here for the better or for worse, for sickness and her health, for rich or for poor, may not be the same person 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And so when I look at her and I'm thinking, look, thinking about her, I couldn't help to think about, I don't know if you guys saw, it came out, on, it was in the Washington Post and it was also in Essence Magazine, it was about B. Smith, Anybody, you know B. Smith? B. Smith, husband, B. Smith has Alzheimer's, but the way her husband is coping with it, he now has a girlfriend who he has moved in the house with his wife. Now, he all right with it. <laughs> he, he all right with it. And I look at what he did, but then I look over at my friend. And she was telling me, she's saying that it's, it's, it can be heartbreaking and, again, it can be confusing. And, and anyone who's deal with dementia or Alzheimer's, you know what that struggle is. If you are a caregiver, you know what that struggle is. You know what that struggle is when sometimes they know who you are and sometimes they don't know who you are. And when he stays in the hospital for sometimes for weeks, and now it has been over a week, guess where she is? 
She's in the hospital with him. She doesn't even go home at night. She stays every night by his side. She said this to me. She said, I made a vow that I was going to be in this thing through the all, to the end. She said, I'm here because they did say, I promise for better or for worse. I promise I was going to stand here in sickness and in health. I made that promise to God, and I made that promise to my husband, and I'm not going anywhere. And so when you look at that, that's the agape love. That's that feeling love. And even some eros in there, but it's changed. Because now she's dealing with a person who sometimes know her name, and sometimes he doesn't. He's not the same guy. How do you love a person who doesn't even know who you are for sure? You love them with the love of God. You love them because you know who they are under all of that confusion, that a part of them is still there. You love them because you have made a promise. You love them because your love is not based on how a person looks or how that person makes you feel. You love that person because you have made a commitment to be in a relationship, and you're going to do whatever you got to do to make it work. That's the kind of stuff that a solid marriage, a solid relationship is built on. That's the kind of stuff that it is. To understand love, to know what love is, and to know how to love, we have to look at the creator of love. And that creator of love is the one who is the personification of love, and that is God himself. God is the plumb line. God sets the standards. He is the one that determines what is right and what is wrong. So what is the answer to Tina's question, what love has to do with it? My response, if I could send Tina a text right now, and I would say, Tina, you first got to know who this God is. Get in a relationship with him, and he's going to show you what love is and what love really has to do with everything that we're dealing with. If you can receive that, let's give the Lord a hand, please. Our decision councils are coming forward. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, dear God. We just thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And God, we just thank you that when we think about that we are, we created in your image, that, that we were created out of the overflow of your love. God, that is an awesome thing to get our minds wrapped around. And then, God, we just pray that as we go further into and talking about love and relationships on so many different levels, I pray that, God, that you just continue to open up our hearts and open up our minds. I pray that, God, that through these next few months that relationships will grow deeper and stronger, dear Lord, and stronger in you and stronger in each other. I pray that you would just bless every relationship here, every person here, single, married again, single again, whatever the situation may be, that you would just bless them. Even those who are looking for love, seeking love, why would you show that you will guide them in the right direction, that they will come to you and rest on you and depend on you 
and not try to find stuff on their own, God, but let you bring true love to them. So now we thank you, God. We thank you that you so loved the world, so loved the world, that you gave your only son. What kind of love is that? That is an unconditional love. That is a divine love. That is a love that is even so difficult for us to even get our minds wrapped around, that you would give up your child for us. So now, God, we bless you, and we ask that you would just bless us. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. As you're standing all over the sanctuary, we're just going to ask that if you just check with your neighbor and ask your neighbor, hey, are you in a good relationship? Are you in a love relationship with Jesus Christ? And if they're not in a love relationship, ask them, well, do you want to be in one? Because if you want to be in one, I will walk you down this aisle. Walk you down this aisle. Salvation. Salvation. Amen. Restoration. Anyone standing in need of restoration, we pray that we ask that you come at this time to meet with the decision counselors. All right, new members, membership, membership. Have any folks who want to join First Christian? We invite you at this time. Membership and baptism. All right, everybody good? All right, let's give the Lord another hand praise.